I was reminded this past week of uh, one of my friends growing up. He was especially uh, grumpy in the mornings. And so his dad had a habit of when he would come down for a meal and he had his sour, grumpy mood going on, he would say, you need to go back to your happy room. <laughs> so I was asking, well, what is your happy room? So it's just my room. But I can't come out of my room until I'm happy. Uh, and so that was kind of the, the rule that my, my friend had to, to deal with. And I thought, you know, maybe I should employ some of that in my own life. Um, don't get out until you're happy. Uh, go to your happy room. And so have you ever wondered, can happiness be just turned on? Can you just go to a room and make it happy? Um, sometimes it's a little bit harder than that, isn't it, uh, to go to your happy room? And so I, I find it kind of interesting that uh, this being the, the Sunday that we emphasize joy, the shepherd's uh, candle, um, to remember what Elizabeth reminded us of in the reading of Luke chapter 2, especially verse 10, 11, where it's said to them, Joy to the world, for the Lord has come. And so there is an intention of God saying to people, well, your happy room is here. Live it. Know it. Experience joy in your life. In fact, when you read the New Testament, one of the defining qualities of a believer in Jesus Christ is joy. Happiness. A lot of times you hear pastors and they always make a big difference between happiness and joy. And we'll say things like, well, happiness is based on the happenings. But joy is a mindset. And that's partly true. What we mean by that is that a joy is a deep thing that is not uh, bothered by the circumstances of the world. But it's partly not true because joy is very much happy. When we are to be joyful, it is to say, believers are to be happy people. Followers of Jesus are to have a happy demeanor about their life. Uh, there is an uh, enthusiasm about what they're going through. And so, yeah, it is that. It is an emotional, uh, spontaneous response. You understand that? Joy is an emotional, spontaneous response. And so I, I think uh, we need to go and dive into a little bit of how does this happen in our life? How do we uh, become characterized by an emotional, spontaneous response uh, of, of a happiness? And so I'm going to go to Colossians. This is uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 9 through 14. And, and I've just kind of hit on this theme. And some of you who have good memories know that I preached on Colossians before. And I preached on Christmas uh, Colossians. And a lot of times uh, when we were in that, we were focusing primarily in verses 15 through 20, which rightfully so is a great passage about God becoming flesh and who Christ is. Uh, but I've, our staff's been memorizing this, this book, uh, or, uh, chapter 3 and then chapter 1 now. And um, so I can't help but have had a lot of meditations uh, on this. And so I want to bring out some things I didn't bring out uh, before uh, about uh, some of these, this prayer 
uh, that Paul is praying uh, around this. Remember, the book of Colossians is written to people Paul had never really met before. This is not a church plant that he started, and he's coming back encouraging. In fact, someone else started this church, Epaphras, uh, one of his, his uh, fellow laborers. And so he's heard about them and sent this letter to them. He sends it uh, from prison and encouraging them along the way and, and telling them about who Christ is, not to uh, deviate from some of the false teachings about who Christ is and, and learn to uh, surrender to Jesus in the everyday life. And so he gives them a prayer. Uh, as he's heard about their, their faith, uh, heard about the love that they had for all the saints because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. And so he, he gives them this prayer. And so I'm going to uh, ask you to turn in the Bible to Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse, looking primarily at verse 9. And I want us to focus on uh, this idea of joy that's given here. And so uh, as we read this, let's stand together in honor of this being God's word. If you'll just read silently as I uh, read aloud to you, uh, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. There's our word right there. Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You may be seated. So we just want to bring out three observations that we get from this passage uh, and what Scripture teaches about this, this idea, this emotion of joy. Uh, first, I want you to understand that joy is an emotion we pray for. It is an emotion we pray for. Notice the prayer that he's given here. He says uh, in, in verse, um, verse 11, May you be strengthened with all power. This is all part of his prayer for the people in Colossians, he's praying, God, will you let these people in Colossians be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might? Why? So that they can have endurance and patience with joy. Have you ever prayed for joy in your life? Paul's praying it for these people. And so it lets us know we need to be praying for God's strength to be in our life. A lot of times we pray for God's strength for different purposes, don't we? God, give me strength or give me, let your power be known so that I can be healed. Or God, let your power be known so that this financial crisis will be over with. But instead he's praying, God, let your power be known so that we can endure with joy. Now that's not typically what we pray for, is it? It was like, okay, God, let's just get this over with, all right? No, no, let's, let it continue, Lord, but let it be done joyfully. Let me have a patience, let me have a strength to endure, but not just endure, not just grumble through this. A lot of times we'll say, we'll think we're enduring because we're grumbling through it, or we're whining through it, but the, the Christian way of dealing with life is to do so with joy. Uh, in fact, uh, Psalm says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
And so, uh, how do we do this if this is a response, an emotional response? It's kind of like uh, God commanding us to fly a kite, isn't it? Go fly a kite. Okay, that's great. But what if there is no wind? <laughs> you see, it's dependent on something, isn't it? Uh, it but it's, it's something first we've got to ask God to work in our life. And so, when you are flying a kite... You put yourself in position you cannot fly a kite unless you first have a kite, right? Uh, and so you, you got your kite, you got your string, but then you got to put yourself in an environment, in a place where you will have wind, right? And so that is dependent on God. But you go to those places where you know God gives wind, all right? And, and so then you can fly a kite. And so he's asking us to have a certain emotion, to have a, a spontaneous response to something. Uh, And so, how do we get this? Well, first we have to put ourselves in the environment where we have God's work being done. Now, as I define this as a spontaneous emotional response, I'm not making it different from any other type of joy, right? I'm talking about Christian joy, but that Joy can be experienced by, in fact, some of you who are my age and younger know that something's coming out in the movie theater this week. Those of you who are laughing, you know. Uh, the long-awaited Star Wars is finally coming out. Um, so back in, what, 1980-something when Return of the Jedi uh, ended, you know, and this great end is like, well, what happened next? Well, we've been waiting now 30 years. <laughs> kind of kind of a hyped up deal, isn't it? Because, um, you know, series one to three didn't count. They weren't good. Uh, five or five and six. And now let's, okay. And, and so you know what's going to happen though, right? Uh, people are already starting to camp out on theaters. Uh, if you want to go on that first night, tough luck. It, they're, they're already bought. The tickets are already bought. But you know what's going to happen. We're going to watch it, and we're going to say, uh, that's it? <laughs> that's it. Well, we, we've got our hopes set up on something, right? And I don't know exactly what it we're, we're having some childhood memory that we want to relive again. Our eyes opened up. I heard someone say, you know what? I watched the movie. It changed my life. Like, oh. <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm not sure about your life. Uh, but nonetheless, there are people saying that. And there will probably be someone that will say that, that this movie changed their life. Uh, so, how is this joy different from the person who is a Star Wars fanatic and looking forward to the, the story conclusion? That won't conclude, by the way. Uh, how is this different? Well, the emotional response is the same. But it's the reason why we have this emotional response, all right? Everybody has joy in something, in something. There's something you're looking forward to, but what is it for the Christian that is different in which we're praying for this emotion? I I think about that. We can even have this emotional about spiritual things, but still not be Christian joy. In fact, I I was reading this morning from Matthew 13. 
Uh, and this is the story of the four soils where Jesus is saying that, that the word of God is like seed being sown out and people receive the seed differently according to the soil, the atmosphere, the condition of their heart. In fact, he described one of them in verse 20. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who endures the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So there's even joy at hearing the word of God, but this is not the type of spiritual joy. This is a, a human response to hearing the word of God. Uh, so what do I mean that by that? It's not the work of the indwelling spirit of God. That's part of what makes this a spiritual joy is it derives from the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, you remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. This is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is an emotion that the Holy Spirit puts into our life. But here Jesus is describing someone that hears the Word of God and yet has a joy but then goes away. What's the difference? Well, here is a joy that, that is he hears this, this uh, working of God but it's not a joy that delights in God, but a joy that delights in the benefits of God. And there's a difference there. Here's someone that says, you know, oh, God loves me. I love the fact that he loves me. I love the fact that he dies for me. I love that fact. And, and it's, it sounds good, but it's slightly off. And that is just merely the benefits of what God gives to you. And so the focus is still you. You see, a, a follower isn't a follower just because of God giving you benefits. I like this stage. It gives me a lot more room to, to walk here. Uh, it's not just the benefits that come my way. The Holy Spirit joy is a joy that is shared from God himself. And so it is derived from who God is. I rejoice in who God is, not just that he gives benefits to me. And so Jesus is identifying that someone says, oh, great, God loves me. He forgives me. But then bad things happen in their life. And thought, well, wait a second. I thought if I follow God, then good stuff's going to happen, not bad stuff. And it doesn't work that way. And so they, they dry up. The joy isn't there. And so we can have a human response, even over God, godly things, but it's not spiritual joy. There's a little bit more to that than that. So it is worked by God himself. So we have to pray for this. We pray for this, all right? Uh, and ask God, would you give joy in my life? You can tell when someone is outside of the authority of God by the lack of joy. When you see a person who says they're a follower of Jesus... But they have a dour demeanor. All right? They have a, a kind of a sour perspective. They've lost the joy that comes from being under the authority of God. It may be a fear that drove them out. It may be just their rebellious heart that drove them outside of God's authority. But now there is no joy that is there. And so uh, as we keep on reading this, uh, something else kind of jumps out at me. Not only is it something that we pray for. But it's something that coexists with adversity. Joy coexists with adversity. Notice the, the phrasing of this, this passage. As, as you keep reading, it says, May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, we don't endure good things, do we? We don't have to be patient with good things. Endurance and patience implies bitter things, hard things, difficult things that we don't like. And yet, he says that this coexists. We endure, we have patience, but we do so with joy. See, one of the ways we can recognize spiritual joy, uh, the joy derived from the Holy Spirit, is that we can think of no good reason for joy in that person's life except that God must be doing it. Because it's not found in their health, it's not found in their relationships, it's not found in their finances, uh, it's not found in the immediate prospects of the future. Where's this joy coming from? And so, when adversity comes, it helps us to dive deep into our hope. We, I've been working out with a group of men uh, uh, called F3, uh, and we do that early Thursday mornings. Guys, and guys, you're welcome to come. Um, but one of the things that a uh, little saying is that uh, the exercises aren't getting easier. We're just getting stronger. In life, you're going to find that the exercises God provides for you will not grow easier. But the exercises, the challenges, the adversity that comes your way are meant to get you to dive deeper into the strength of the Christian. And that is the presence and power of God, His Holy Spirit. And so you will go through circumstances that will be beyond your means. I know it's a Christian saying, or we hear Christians talk about it. It's not really a Christian saying, well, God will never give you more than you can ever handle. Let me ask exactly what verse did that come from? We think about 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and think, oh, well, here it is, Pastor. Well, let's read. It says, no temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What's he talking about? He's talking about temptation. All right. I have yet to find in the scripture where God will not give you more than you can handle. In fact, I would argue with you that scripture teaches he will definitely give you more than you can handle. Because the point of it is to get you to trust in God who can handle it, not yourself. All right? So this hope or this, this joy that comes with endurance and patience, he's going to put you in difficult places to show you that this joy comes from God, not from circumstances. There's some other passages that speak to this. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. So rejoicing is this I, I active form of joy. Take joy in our sufferings. Are you off the rocker, Paul? Why, why would we do that? But rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. <laughs> I was like, I don't really want to endure. You're not encouraging me here. Why do I want to endure? Well, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. All right? This is a faith that looks to the future. Hope is confident expectation that good things are going to happen. Good things are going to come. 
This is faith looking to the future. So this suffering forces us to look more into the promises of God of what will happen, our hope, to get strong in dependence on that. And so hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so the Spirit of God is working, putting His love in our heart to let us know that hope will happen. Our future expectation will happen because God, who is our judge, is not going to judge us because he's the one who died for us. So what do I have to be afraid of when the future involves God? He's the one who loved me. And so that becomes my hope. And so it infects my future, infects my present. As I look around, bad things happening. One of the things that I had a, a dear a saint uh, who passed away a few years ago, he would always say this, and I've been saying it recently. When any, anyone asks you, how are you doing? He would respond, better than I deserve. And so I've been saying that because it's a great reminder of what God is doing. Better than I deserve. What do I deserve? Well, my sin, my rebellion against God, the fact that I breathe his air in the world that he made, and yet I say, this world is not about you, it's, it's about me. God knows that, has every right to condemn me eternally for my eternal crime against him. He doesn't because of Jesus Christ standing in my place and says, instead, I'm going to give you an inheritance with the saints and light. I'm going to make you my son. I'm going to make you right with me. I am much better than I ever deserved. Even if you're going to the hospital or your folks or people and loved ones are dying around you, I cannot think of a circumstance in this life where I am not being treated better than I deserve. And so this is the ground of our hope because God's love has been poured in our life. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 kind of speaks to the same thing where it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Many, many ages ago, I used to sing in a chorus group. Everything's been forgotten, bud. Um, because I know what the next thing is. <laughs> and I, I actually was involved in a quartet. And one of the things that you had to do, you had to try out for this quartet, which makes it all the more of a mystery that I was in this. Uh, but when you're with a group, you could get lost in the group. You hear the people around you, you always, uh, you know, guys, you know this, you, you get next to the strongest singer, all right? Let them sing loud. You don't have a problem singing loud. You just blend in with whatever they're singing. Uh, and so uh, if you want to have a good sound, you get in a large choir. You get a 100-voice choir, everyone sounds good. Uh, and so if, that's why you need a large choir. It, it makes it sound good. Uh, but when you try out, the scary thing is it's just you. And the music teacher, the judge, and there's no one to blend in and, and get lost in. And, and if the, the note is a clear note, if it's on key, if it's uh, not sharp, not flat, on, on pitch, everyone knows it because you're the only one sounding it out. There's no confusion where it comes from. Listen, when there's joy in our life, when times are at its hardest, you're being isolated. There's no other voices to, to sound a happy note in your life. 
and yet you still sing a note by your attitude that's on pitch. You still sing a note that is on key. And people ask, where does this joyful note come from? It's coming from the God who is your source, your power, your future, your takes care of your past and your present. And there is a happiness out of a relationship that God is giving you. And listen, people want to be around joyful people. You know one of the ways we shine light? We shine light by just being happy. Being happy in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's doing. But when I say that, that sounds so foreign to some of you. How can I be happy? I know these stories, Pastor. I've heard these things, but I'm not happy when you tell me about Jesus Christ. It has something to do with where your heart is set. Let me ask you, what do you get happy in? And that will tell you a lot. Ladies, if you want to date a guy and find out about him, find out what he gets happy in. Find out what he gets angry in. Find out what he gets sad in. What do you get happy in? Joy can coexist with, a, with adversity because joy is flowing from what God is doing in our life. And then, verse 12, 13, 14, joy is connected to our hope. Joy is connected to our hope. Giving thanks to the Father. He says, says, how is it that we are to do this, endure with joy? How are we to be patient with joy? He says the next phrase is this this kind of a a participle, this this, uh, gerund phrase. Uh, You have to go back to English to know this. But this is kind of this verb that's modifying what's, what's, what's being done. How do we have joy and patience? By realizing that we're giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So joy is connected to our hope. It is the hope of, God, you've taken care of my past. This is that part of, is this, God has treated you so much better than you deserve. He has given thanks. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his saints and light. Qualified, it has this idea of uh, running track or running a swim meet. If you're going to uh, the Olympics, uh, then you had to go into a qualifying round, which meant that you had to post a time in your event that was good enough to be accepted in the final competitions like the Olympics. So notice what he says here, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance and saints and light. For some of us, the only way we would ever get to the Olympics is if someone qualified us, right? Someone ran the time and put our name to it and qualified us. Well, that's what we've got in this inheritance of the saints in light, which is to say that I am going to be a part of God's family and I receive the benefits of being in God's family because I have been qualified. Jesus has run the race for me and put me in this position. And then knowing that, verse 13, he's delivered me 
from the domain of darkness, all right, the domain of darkness, this you can have, listen, the problem, the problem in, in our society is that we have joy in darkness. Across the world, there is joy in darkness. John chapter 1 says that Jesus is light, and the light entered the darkness, and the world did not receive the light, because the world loved darkness more than light. Every year, at Christmas season, there is great tragedy around this world, is there not? California shootings. In, in our nation, it just seems like every year since Columbine, there's been one after the other. And the question always comes out, why? How does this happen? And looking at it just from the Christian biblical perspective, it simply is, it's connected to our love of darkness. Our love of darkness. And it's just a matter of degrees. The same sin that would take someone to shoot people is the same sin you can find in your life. The difference is the amount of degrees. The same sin that thinks you're better than someone else because of something. Money, clothing, skin color, whatever. You're Baptist. (laughs) That same sin is the same sin that drives someone else to kill others. Or the same sin of which you can snap in anger at someone in traffic. It's the same sin that can drive someone to kill others in anger. You see, the various degrees. And the thing is, we love darkness. That's the kingdom we lived in. And the only way we can get transferred out of this kingdom is if the king of light says, I'll change you. I'll enter you into this kingdom. And so look, we go from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sin the thing about christmas is that when jesus is born is the king that is born it's the king of his beloved son this is the one who allows me to be forgiven it's the one who says you have been redeemed which is why the shepherds heard the angels say joy to the lord world for the lord has come for unto you is born this day in the city of david a a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The source of joy is I have a Savior that can save my heart and anyone else's heart if they will come to Him from the sins that leads to Colorado and California shootings and wars across this world. But it comes at a price of surrender to the king then there is peace which is next week let's pray